1 Samuel, the third chapter. And one last time, thank you for allowing me to come and to, to uh, be in service with you. And I just honor and uh, am, am honored to be able to be in this service to celebrate what the Lord has done these 54 years. Praise God. So thank you for being part of the church. It was so encouraging and exciting to see everybody stand through the years. And uh, came the understanding that everyone started this church when they were about six weeks old. So nobody's over the age of 54. So we're thankful to find that out about everyone tonight. And it just feels good to be in the house of the Lord. I, again, give honor to Brother Patterson, our founding pastor. God bless you. Brother Patterson, love you and respect you. Thank you for hearing the voice of God. Thank you for staying and uh, not leaving. And uh, we, we appreciate all the, the good things that, that you have done and continue to do uh, here and for the kingdom of God. Praise God. I found out that you and I have another kindred aspect of driving fiercely and fiercely. And uh, I may not be able to pray through in the altar, but if you get in the car, you will pray through. Praise God. <laughs> That is the gift. I really operate when I get in the vehicle. People just feel close to the Lord in a very special way. And so if you're struggling, you can ride home with me for a few hours and come back with a victory. Praise God. I'm thankful for uh, the first family in this church, Brother Sister Harrelson, and uh, appreciate them. Everything has been wonderful. The room's wonderful. The gift basket, the books. Uh, just everything's been so nice and pleasant, first class. So thank you, all the meals, the meal today. Was it Zach's? Was that where we went? And uh, I'm on like carb overdose right now. And uh, I told my wife, I said, I had deep fried steak and deep fried pickles and deep fried tomatoes and deep fried cornbread. They may have deep fried that cheesecake. I don't know, but. I make this pledge, if you will not fall asleep while I preach, I'm going to do my best not to fall asleep while I preach. And we'll get through this quickly and together, and the Lord will help us. But thank you for your hospitality. And again, I cannot say enough good things. Uh, my eloquence uh, fails to express uh, my heartfelt feelings towards your pastor, Brother Philip Harrelson, and just a tremendous preacher, uh, a tremendous teacher, a tremendous pulpiteer he's got great wisdom he also serves uh, for the Alabama district on the district board for what I think 16 or 18 years something like that quite quite some season before that he was in the Sunday school division so he's been a, a blessing to your district and I'm very honored 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 uh, to count him as my friend and so uh, I ever much very much believe that uh, the Lord has used him to help me to be better uh, in every aspect and way of my life. And so thank you, Brother Harrelson, uh, for your friendship. First Samuel, the third chapter uh, tonight, and I, I don't intend on holding you long. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 15, but I have been wrong before. So we're going to endeavor not to hold you long tonight. But I do want to read a few verses uh, here from the word of the Lord. The Bible says, And Samuel lay until the morning, and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit, and had hid nothing from him, and he said, speaking of Eli, it is the Lord. 
let him do what seemeth good. Samuel grew, the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And uh, we're going to pray and ask the Lord just to help us in the next few moments we have here together, the closing service of this weekend, to hear from him. And I'm also going to ask you, to, uh, I have a, a request if you would join me in prayer. There's a pastor, a dear friend of mine in Kentucky by the name of Rick McGee. Brother McGee is a young man in his early 40s, has two small children. He pastors two churches uh, in our district, and uh, he is a very, very ill man. And uh, if the Lord doesn't intervene, his, his time with us is very short. And so I'm going to ask you tonight as we pray and ask God to bless his word that you would call Pastor Rick McGee, his wife Becky, their children. Ask that the Lord would just touch them, help them, provide for them, and uh, meet them at every point along their journey and to fulfill their needs. So would you join me as we pray tonight? Lord, again, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in this place. We thank you, God, for your word, your spirit. I thank you for the worship. Thank you, Lord, for the saints of God, the people of God, Lord. Lord, your church, we thank you for them tonight, God. We ask, God, that you would help us just in the next few moments that we have here together to receive something from you and from your word and from your spirit. Again, I ask, Lord, that you would bless and augment and strengthen the, 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 just the feeble uh, nature of my speech, God, the frailty of my speech, Lord. I pray, God, that you would allow your voice and your spirit, Lord, to reverberate in our souls tonight. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us, God. We ask, Lord, that you would touch Pastor Rick McGee, his wife Becky, the church in Richmond, the church in Lancaster, his children, God. Pray, Lord, that you would meet them, that you would touch them, that you would work miracles in their lives, God. Prove yourself again faithful to them this evening, God. And all these things, Lord, we ask, God, that your glory would be manifest in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Tell whoever's beside you, I'm glad you're sitting next to me. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Again, thank you for allowing me to come and be with you. I enjoyed Brother Harrelson's walk down memory lane. Uh, metal chairs and sloping floors and moccasin-filled baptistries. And Brother Patterson looked at me and said, the good old days. I thought, man, the good old days don't sound that good to me. I like air conditioning, straight floors, and padded seats. Praise God. But we honor every step of the journey as God has led you and uh, provided. And as Brother Harrelson uh, was saying all those things, I was just looking around at this beautiful sanctuary, thinking to myself again and again, look what the Lord has done. Praise God. One more time, could we just clap our hands, the Lord, and thank God for his goodness? Would you thank the Lord for allowing him? allowing you to be a part of his church, allowing you to be a part of this church and this congregation, and this body of believers. Come on, let's really thank the Lord. Let's act like we mean it tonight. God, we thank you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, oh God. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be a part of the church. Let the whole church say amen. This morning, I talk to you about prophets in the Old Testament. Again, I find myself examining another prophet in Scripture. 
Again, many of these that we mentioned this morning, they, they step out of the shadows of time, out of obscurity, as the Lord deemed fit. He used them again many times, elevating them to national prominence, and yet at other times simply speaking word and then slinking back out into time not to be heard from again. We had somewhat of a, a, a sketch of both Elijah and Elisha, but it is rare in the Scripture to have as full of a biographical sketch of any Old Testament prophet or nearly any character in Scripture as we do for this man by the name of Samuel. Samuel's entrance into this world was the result of answered prayer. It was the heartfelt sentiment, the desire, and the faithfulness, and the tenacity of his mother that, that captured the attention of Eli and ultimately the attention of God and, and gave her this child. This child would grow up and he would become the earliest of the prophets after Moses. He would be the last judge of the nation of Israel. The scripture says of him in 1 Samuel 7 and 15, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. Uh, even after Israel had made the decision to move from a theocracy or being led by God to a monarchy of having a national uh, uh, human king. Samuel still acted as a judge for the nation of Israel. He traveled on his circuit going from place to place and giving both judgment and advice and moral and spiritual uh, wisdom as God deemed fit. At his passing in 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 1, the Bible says this, and Samuel died and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him. It was a day of national mourning. The entire nation stopped and paused. And when you read through the history of what Israel was going through, you'll find out that it was still a very contentious time. And there was great upheaval and great certainty. And yet, irregardless to what side of the political divide that you stood upon in that moment, everyone recognized that Samuel was something a special. He was someone that was unique and distinct and used by the hand of the Lord. Praise God. And it is his earliest moments under the anointing of God that I desire for us to examine tonight. Uh, again, God responds to the desperation of his mother Hannah. She is given this son and still at a very young age, Hannah returns to the house of the Lord, fulfilling her vow that she had made before God. She appears before Eli, the, the, the priest, uh, to offer up her son Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 1 in verse 26 the Bible says this she said oh my Lord as thou liveth my Lord and the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord for this child I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth he shall be lent to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there let me stop and say this uh, there is a lesson for every parent of every child to learn from this simple scripture uh, these children that God has blessed us with regardless of how old or how young they are the gift of God the greatest thing that you could ever pass down to your kids is to teach them to love the Lord to serve the Lord that's greater than an inheritance that's greater than a 401k uh, that's greater than a house down on the gulf uh, to teach your kids that there's just one God in heaven and earth uh, and his name is Jesus to teach your kids uh, that the Lord will save them he'll work for them uh, he'll hear their voice and move in their lives so God help us to be faithful to our kids can you say amen, amen. and so still yet as a child the Bible says that Samuel enters into the service for God in 1 Samuel 2 and verse 18 but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with 
linen ephod. He's just a small boy. He, he, he is insignificant in the grand scheme of the universe seemingly and yet this child immediately there's something again significant and blessed and anointed about his life and he does his best to minister before the Lord. Obviously as a child he was not capable and did not have the full understanding to act maybe as an adult would act but he did what he could before the Lord. The, verse, the scripture goes on to say in verse 19 moreover his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year and she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice and so and this is something that we've read and heard preached countless times every year she guesses uh, at how much she, he's grown and she uh, creates this coat this jacket for him to wear and of course she has to try to figure out what size he is and then make it a little larger so that he would uh, continue to grow into it the rest of the year as he grows into his clothes Samuel also grows uh, in his ability to serve God in his ability to minister to the Lord in his ability to hear the voice of God in first Samuel chapter 3, and if you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. The Bible says in verse 1, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. God seemingly was not freely speaking at this moment, and when he spoke, it was very significant. It was very powerful. It was very special. In verse 2, the Bible said that it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim and he could not see and ere the lamp of God went out to the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. The, the, the priest Eli has laid down. It's late in the day. The lights are off uh, and he's going to get a little rest. And this young man by the name of Samuel, the servant uh, that has been lent to the Lord from his mother, he is here and he also lays down. In verse 4, the Bible says that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here am I. Notice with me that ultimately this is the same response uh, that he was instructed of Eli to give at the end of the story. But here when he hears the voice of God for the first time, the scripture says, he says, here am I. May we never ever forget the first time we heard the call of the Lord. For some of us, maybe it was in a sanctuary like this. For some of us, maybe it was driving down the road. Uh, for some of us, maybe it was in the most chaotic moment in our life, but we felt that call. Uh, there was hope that was burned within our spirit. There was something that was ignited within our heart. I pray to God that we would never lose the excitement uh, and the zeal of that moment of knowing that God is endeavoring to speak to us. Uh, and with this, uh, this voice that comes him again he is not fully comprehending what is taking place because the Bible says that he runs to Eli and he says here am I for thou callest me notice with me that in Samuel's mind his childlike mind the voice of God sounds very much similar to the voice of the man of God in his life the voice of God sounded very very similar to the voice of the man of God in his life if you want to know what God sounds like, apparently he sounds like he's from South Alabama. If you want to know what the voice of God sounds like, all you got to do is roll in here on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday evening when your pastor, Brother Harrelson, stands in this pulpit. That's what the voice of God sounds like. Uh, can I tell you today, and I know you appreciate your pastor. Uh, you don't need a fishing buddy for a pastor. Uh, you don't need a Facebook friend for a pastor. Uh, you don't need a lunch buddy for a pastor. Uh, you need a man of God that will stand behind that desk uh, and point his finger uh, and say, Thus saith the Lord. Uh, you don't need somebody 
somebody to pat you on the back. You don't need somebody always to wipe away your tears. You need somebody that'll love you enough to tell you what it takes to be saved. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes it's painful. And sometimes it's offensive. But when we get over there, we're going to rejoice for all eternity for a man like Brother Patterson and now a man like Brother Harrelson that stood in the gap for us. You need to love this man's voice. I haven't run any of this by Brother Harrelson. We may not be friends when I leave. But I'm here to tell you, you need to love his voice in your life. You need to respect his voice in your life. You need to honor his voice in your life. When he looks you in the eye and says, this is what I feel. This is what I feel from the Lord. You need to accept that as thus saith the Lord in your life. You say, well, what if he's wrong? Well, number one, God will deal with him if he's wrong. But number two, his life bears witness. The fruit of this man's life bears witness uh, that he's diligent in prayer. Your pastor is not an arrogant man whatsoever. He is not, a, he is not a, a flashy man whatsoever. I, I don't want to be overly personal. And, and, and again, it, it's not because of the lack there, uh, uh, thereof that he has in his life. But I hear him talking about and I'm going to embarrass him by saying this. I hear him talking about buying secondhand suits and going down to the Goodwill and buying dress shoes, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I bought clothes from the Goodwill and all that too. But that's indicative, not just of someone that's thrifty. It's indicative of not just someone that's not, that's not flashy, but it's indicative of someone that is truly humble, has no desire to be elevated. Uh, again, I, I, I'm not preaching preacher religion today, but I am saying there is no higher office uh, that could be manifest in your life than the office of the pastor of this church. Uh, the most important man in the city of Dothan uh, is not the mayor. He's not the chief of police. Uh, the most important man in this state uh, is not, in your case, a woman, Kay Ivy. That's not the most important individual. Uh, the most important individual in your life is not Joe Biden, uh, and it wasn't Donald Trump. Uh, the most important man in your life is your pastor that stands here faithfully in good times and bad times in sickness and health he comes to church when he feels bad he comes to church when he's tired he's come here when he worked double shifts at the hospital and he's given himself to preaching the word of the Lord hallelujah God give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. Hallelujah. You don't ever need to find yourself on the side of resisting what happens in this pulpit. You don't ever need to find yourself of questioning and tearing down and allowing a spirit of cynicism to enter into your heart where you're always thinking, well, if I'd been in charge or if I'd had my way or this is who should have did that. No, no, no. You need to pray for your pastor. If you don't like what he's doing, you just pray for him. God, give him wisdom. God, direct his steps. God, order his steps. You don't need to want another pastor. You don't need to shop around for somebody else. You need to ask God to bless and anoint use the man of God in your life hallelujah the voice of God sounded so much like the voice of the man of God in his life 
he ran into Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And Eli said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lie down. Verse 6, And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered and said, I called, uh, I called not my son. Lie down again. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the a word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Samuel, he, he had never responded. He had never interacted with God on this level before. He did not know what was going on. Verse 8, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Samuel, in his youthfulness, could hear the voice of God. Samuel, in his zeal, could hear the voice of God. Samuel, uh, with the uh, feelings of a young man, the desire to work for the Lord, the, the hunger to do something for God, uh, he could hear the voice of God, but he lacked the wisdom as how to respond. Eli, in an age state, and not just aged in years, but he was obviously distant from God, he could not hear what Samuel was hearing. He did not hear the voice of God, but life allowed him to understand how to properly respond to the Lord. I pray that we would never ever lose our zeal to hear the voice of God. I pray that you and I would never ever lose our excitement to come to the house of the Lord. When God first saved you, when he first washed us, when he first cleansed us, nobody had to beg us to come to church. We wanted to be here every time the church house doors were open. We were hungry for the word of God. We didn't know how to act. We didn't know how to dress. We didn't know how to talk. We didn't know how to walk. But we knew we wanted to hear the voice of God and I also pray that God would never allow us to become so distant from him that we wouldn't hear his voice but that God would give us wisdom as how to react to the voice of God and so Eli instructs him again if you hear the voice again simply say speak Lord 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10 and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times Samuel Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. God said, I'm fixing to do something that's going to change the norm around here. I'm fixing to do something that's going to stir the hearts of men around here. In that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile and restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn into the house of Eli and that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice uh, nor offering forever. And Samuel lay under the morning and he opened the doors of the house. We've read it in our text. Uh, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel feared uh, to show Eli the vision. 
Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things which he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. We've got to note that Samuel's first word from God was a stern word of rebuke. God's words are not always easy to carry. Your pastor doesn't always rejoice in standing in this pulpit saying the things that God places in his heart, in his mind, in his spirit to deliver. God's words demand action. God's word call us out of ourself. God's word call us out of our carnality. God's word separate the temporal, that which is so important to us, and draws us forevermore closer to the eternal, which is something that we, we can hardly begin to fathom or understand. God's word sometimes is difficult to carry. His words are not only difficult to carry. Sometimes here, again, many times the words of God are difficult to speak and yet here this young man is hearing the voice of God for the first time bearing the burden of this extraordinarily heavy message indeed the glory of the Lord had departed from the house of Eli nevertheless although Eli had not ruled his house well I think Eli is indicative and I referenced this maybe this morning uh, he, he, his life was indicative of the statement what one generation does in moderation the next generation will do in excess. We don't know a whole lot about Eli's transgressions just the transgressions of his son but they had to learn that somewhere. Again your kids are watching you. They're watching you when you worship and they watch you when you pray and they also watch you when you gossip. They watch you when you get bitter and they watch you when you get better. They watch you when you got the victory. And they watch you when you're losing out. God let us, our kids see us with victory. God let our kids see us talking in tongues. Humble before the Lord as men and women of prayer. I mentioned some of the brethren this morning. Every morning at 4 o'clock. In good times and bad times. And I won't bore you with all the details. But I watched my dad get up four hours before he had to be at work for the entirety of my life. And he would go in that little study. And he would get down on his knees before that, that, that chair. And he began to pray. So many times early in the morning I'd hear him calling my name out before the Lord. I'd hear the sound of him speaking in tongues. As the Holy Ghost would fall hours before the sun was about to rise. I'm here to tell you that did something in my heart. I didn't always act right I didn't always live right I didn't always do right but I never lost sight of that example of a godly man he wasn't a preacher he wasn't a deacon he wasn't a teacher he didn't have a position in the church he was just a faithful man of God that understood that God had spared him from a devil's hell and that's all he ever had to do to be worthy of his praise so God help us to be faithful can you say amen even though Eli had drifted so far from what could have been in his life, I'm still amazed at when he hears the word of the Lord. He puts some pressure on Samuel. He says, let God do to you and then some for whatever you hold back from me. 
That, that put enough in Samuel, he was ready to spill the beans and tell him everything the Lord has said. But even though Eli had drifted and grown cold in the Lord, even though his sons were a wreck and a mess of humanity, when he heard the word of the Lord, he said, It is the Lord. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Even in a cold, half-backslidden state, he knew you can't stop God when he's about to do something. I'm here to tell you that God is sovereign today. God is perfect today. I don't want to get out of the plan of God. I want to get in on the plan of God. I don't want to be a bystander to what he's doing. I want to be a participant. If you'll notice, there's no ticket gate when you walk into this place. This is our arena. There are no spectators, only participants. This is our playing field. This is where God meets us. This is where God touches us. This is where God heals us. This is where God changes us. This is where we get right with him. This is where we pray through. This is where we talk and talk. This is where we ask our brother and sister to forgive us. This is where we get right in the eyes of the Lord. And Samuel, verse 19, I hasten on. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. He grew physically, and no doubt he grew spiritually. The Lord was with him. Let it be said of every single one of us in every aspect of our life, in regards to who you are in this church, let it be said of us that the Lord is with us. Yet it is the last half of the verse that I want us to consider tonight. The Bible said that not only was the Lord with him, but did let none of his words fall to the ground. This simply means that Samuel, and I don't even understand completely how all this works, but Samuel spoke what God ordained. And God ordained what Samuel spoke. There was something supernatural that happened when the prophet of God opened his mouth and said, Thus saith the Lord. This is not an unimportant idea that God did not let any of his words fall to the ground. God was very, very clear about what would happen to those who spoke claiming to have heard from God. In Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 18, the Lord said, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak in them all that I shall command him. For the prophet, verse 20 of 18, the 18th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, for the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. We don't do that to false prophets today. We probably ought to. We'd have fewer false prophets around here. Can I tell you again, and I don't want to offend anyone. It's my last night, and I drive home night if I need to. But you don't need a Facebook prophet in your life. You don't need somebody with a green screen uh, trying to take today's headlines uh, and twist them into the scripture uh, to make you run out and do this or to make you stop doing that. Uh, you don't need someone to tell you what you ate for lunch last Tuesday. Uh, you don't need somebody to tell you you got a bone in your leg uh, and a curve in your spine. Get in line, we all do. Uh, you need a faithful preacher. Uh, you need a faithful pastor. Uh, you need somebody that's in the trench with you, uh, crying with you, uh, praying with you, uh, interceding with you, uh, fighting hell for you and your family. Uh, believe and for your lost children. You need a man of God to yoke up with you. Again, our text says 
the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. From this earliest encounter, God proved himself faithful to Samuel. His words would not fall to the ground. In 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter, in the 17th verse, the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. This is the message that has come to Eli after the battle. And there hath been a great slaughter among the people, and thy sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark is taken. And it came to pass, when he had made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell from off his seat backward from the side of the gate, his neck break, and he died, for he was an old man in heavy. And he had judged Israel 40 years. What a horrible end to a 40-year ministry. Ichabod, the glory of the Lord, has departed from Israel. The house of Eli has been destroyed. The ark of God has been stolen by the Philistines. But at last, God has a man that will speak for him. God has a man that will speak to the congregation of Israel. They're going to reject it. They're going to buck up against it. They're still going to want to deviate and do their own thing, but God has a man and his words would not fall when Israel wanted a king so that they could be like every other nation. Samuel spoke again in 1 Samuel 6 and 8. This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons, appoint them for himself for his chariots and to be his horsemen. Some shall run before his chariots he will appoint him captains over thousands captains over fifties set them to ear his ground to reap his harvest to make instruments of war instruments of his chariots he will take verse 13 your daughters to be confectionaries to be cooks to be bakers he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards even the best of them and give them to his servants and he will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to your officers and to his servants and he will take your men servants your maid servants your goodliest young men your asses and put them to work verse 17 he will take the tenth of your sheep you shall be his servants and he shall cry in the day because of your king which he shall hear how you have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day his word did not fall to the ground Saul offered a burnt offering before the Lord he acted out of his place and his position and in 1 Samuel 13 and 13 Samuel said to Saul thou hast done foolishly Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now the kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. His word did not fall to the ground. In 1 Samuel 15 and verse 1, Samuel says unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid in wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling and ox and sheep, camel and ass. God speaks through his prophet, the man of God, Samuel, and says, I remember what Amalek did to my people. I'm here to tell you that God tells long stories. God's memory is not short. God says, I remember what they did. I, I remember how they mocked. I, I remember how, how the pain and the chaos that they confused. I, I want you to go down to Amalek, and I, and I want you to slay every single one of them. Uh, the old, the young, the, the rich, the poor, the healthy, and the sick. Uh, every animal, every beast, let none of them survive. The Old Testament 
is painted in very bold colors. I believe it proves God's infinite love and his consideration for his church that he allows allows to act out in very vivid imagery uh, what we are to do spiritually. Uh, There are some things that God has brought us out from. Uh, There are some mindsets that God has delivered us from. Uh, There are some things that God doesn't want us playing with. Uh, And you've got to have a made up mind that I'm going to destroy every last ounce of influence that will take me further and further from the kingdom of God. After last year many of us had to go online and we weren't able to come to the house of the Lord and we had to ask ourselves some serious and honest questions. Are we closer to God then than we were before COVID? Did we feel him more then than we did before the disease? There's something within our hearts that must hunger and thirst for his presence. We have this promise that if we'll hunger for him and if we'll thirst for him that he will feed us. So God says through his man, his prophet, destroy Amalek. And you know what happens. He chooses not to. He spares the king, spares some of the animals, spares a little of the cash. And again, God taps the prophet. You can fool me and I can fool you, but ain't none of us fooling God. He taps the old prophet on the shoulder, says, I got another word for the king. And Samuel said unto him, in verse 14 of the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag says, Surely the bitterness of death is past. They call for Agag out of his prison cell. He comes walking the tent thinking to himself, surely enough time's gone. Their, their anger's over. Cooler heads will prevail. Uh, and everything's going to be all right. Uh, and he walks into that, that tent. And here's the guards and here's the king. Uh, and here's a man that he hadn't seen before. It's the prophet, the man of God. And the scripture says that Samuel now looks upon this heathen king and says, as thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And this holy, righteous, reverential man, the tools of his trade typically are nothing more than a horn of oil that he can uncork and pour over God's chosen vessel. Uh, But he takes off that horn of oil. uh, And I I somehow just imagine him disrobing himself uh, of his prophetic garment. uh, And he gets a sword in his hand. And the Bible says uh, that Samuel hewed a gag in pieces. That that word draws a mental image of somebody that's busting wood with an axe. A man that's clean, a man that's pure, a man that's holy, a man that's righteous, a man that's a voice of God upon the earth. He begins to swing that sword and it's gruesome and it's bloody and blood and organs is spackled all over his face. I can hear the shriek and the sound of a gag as he screams and everybody tenses up wanting to know what's going on in the tent in the tent and all of a sudden the prophet the man of God steps out covered in bone covered in organs covered in muscle and tissue and blood surely it was a gruesome and a grotesque sight but God said when I said destroy it you better destroy it when I said get it out of your life you better get it out of your life can I tell you this is the only way that you and I can deal with sin we've got to cleanse it we've got to destroy it sometimes it's bloody sometimes it's gruesome sometimes it shrieks back at us but we must do the right thing in the eyes of the Lord 
and again. His words did not fall to the ground. Sometimes Samuel moved in shadows. Sometimes God had him on the biggest of stages. Sometimes he stood stoically before the people. As we have just read other times, he acted out God's vengeance with his own bare hands. But in every situation, for over 40 years as judge and prophet in Israel, the life of Samuel was marked by the fact that his words did not fall to the ground. That's what I'm preaching to you just for a few more moments tonight. Words that will not fall. I don't have to spend much time to convince you that we live in the most unusual of days and times. Uh, murder, human trafficking, worldwide pandemics, uh, cancel culture, political schisms uh, seemingly greater than ever before in our nation's history. Uh, the intolerant scream tolerance uh, and then the tolerant are ridiculed for their intolerance. Uh, chaos seemingly is inescapable. Confusion uh, runs rampant in our streets. Uh, societal norms are ever evolving. Uh, they're all Always moving the goal line. That's the reason why you can never satisfy the spirits of this world. What they say is right today, they'll change their mind tomorrow. They set up targets and goals and they move them again and again and again. Words are now meaningless. We're told to fear the vax, accept the vax, put on a mask, take off a mask. And it doesn't matter to me what you do or what you think, but we are surrounded by, again by a cacophony of voices that are clamoring to confuse us and to distract us and can I tell you as the church God the enemy doesn't have to get us to go out and push little old ladies down steps and to say a bunch of ugly words if he can distract us from our purpose he wins if he can get us called up in Facebook battles and telling people off and taking political stands and trying to be everyone's keeper then he distracts us he's called us to be a light in a dark world He's called us to be salt to a thirsty generation. God forbid that we would lose sight of who and what he's called us to be. Because words are now meaningless. Presidents, senators, congressmen, they all talk out of both sides of their mouth. I'm going to offend every single one of you before I leave. Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, and independence, they all do it. Don't think not my guy, yeah, your guy. You don't get to those levels without stepping on a lot of people. You don't get to those levels without having a whole lot of bones in the graveyard out back, friend. I'm here to tell you that a man will not be our savior. A, a, a political party is not what we need. We need God to be God. And we need his church to be his church. A Holy Ghost church, a tongue-talking church, a holy church. Fear grips our nation. Do you remember when COVID first came Every single person was a potential murderer in your life. I witnessed it. I'm in just a small town, Danville, Kentucky, 16,000 people. Typically friendly, nice place. Far enough down south, we're still hospitable. and know how to drink sweet tea. But far enough north that we ain't sweating like all you people down here in South Alabama all the time. 
And yet I witnessed people that are normally cordial and friendly. Has everybody put their heads down and pushed their little grocery carts, trying to avoid conversation, hoping no one would step within a six-foot diameter of where they were? Fear grips our nation. And now we worry about what's going on in Afghanistan. Uh, and what are we going to do with the immigrants? Uh, and what are we going to do with the migrants? Uh, and what are we going to do with Delta? And what are we going to do with the next one that comes? And the next one that comes? And the next one that comes? And yet Jesus said that these days would come. We ought not be shocked. We ought not be surprised. We ought not be upset about what God is doing he's setting this thing up uh, for a moment Uh, the dead in Christ are going to rise first uh, and then we who are alive and remain uh, we're going to join them in the air uh, and forever are we going to rule and reign Uh, we're going to be in a city Uh, there'll be no sun there'll be no moon Uh, the lamb's going to be light in that city Jesus said in Luke the 21st chapter Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. I believe Jesus tonight. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. I read to you earlier this weekend Paul's Statement to Timothy, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Again, we live in an hour that truth is now seemingly subjective. That nothing is written in stone. That everyone has their own truth. Nothing makes me as mad as hearing somebody say, this is my truth. You ain't got a truth. I ain't got a truth. That word declares the only truth in this life. I'm not worried about pleasing you. You don't need to please me. I'm not worried about outholing you, and you don't need to try to outholy me. If you outholy me, you haven't accomplished much. I'm endeavoring to follow the man Jesus. He is our example tonight. He's the one that we're endeavoring to be like. Everyone having their own truth. Everyone having their own standard of what is right. Jesus Christ did not mince words when he said in Matthew the 24th chapter. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. And the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds uh, from one end of heaven to the other Uh, now learn a parable of the fig tree Christ said when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves you know the summer is nigh so likewise when ye shall see all these things know that it is near even at the doors verily I say unto you this generation shall not pass uh, till all those things be fulfilled Jesus wasn't specifically talking about those disciples. He was talking about the generation that would be on the face of the earth when this time comes. He said, just like you see that 
a fig tree begin to put forth its leaves and you know spring's coming uh, you're going to see things in the atmosphere Pastor Harrelson and I was talking about the coming of the Lord this weekend uh, I don't know for sure when he's coming but I know that I'm closer than I've ever been before uh, if he gives me a tomorrow I'll be closer then than I am today uh, but somehow I just got to believe uh, that the fig trees uh, are starting to blossom uh, the leaves are about to break forth out of their stem uh, somehow there's just something that I feel in the atmosphere uh, that says surely this must be the day uh, Surely this must be the hour in which our Lord is coming. And then Jesus says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Hear clearly what the Lord said. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Can I remind you that wars and rumors rumors of wars, kings and kingdoms, uh, men's intellect and speech, uh, political parties, uh, world finance and governments, uh, it is all limited and weak. Uh, Everything that man builds, everything that man touches, uh, everything that man constructs, uh, sooner or later it's going to fall. Sooner or later it's going to crumble. You can invest a trillion dollars in 20 years uh, in the lives of 2,500 soldiers uh, in a far off land but in a moment it can revert to how it was 500 years ago this is the handiwork of humanity our best comes up short our best is still lacking but God's word it never ever falls God's word it never ever changes I'm preaching to you about words that will not fall the world both secular and religious can mock us, can call us prudes, can laugh at us, can call us legalistic, can call us narrow-minded. But I'm here to tell you, heaven and earth is going to pass away. But this word... I'm here to remind you that you are a blessed church. Uh, This is an awesome church when you hear, uh, take your Bibles and turn and you actually hear the pages uh, of this holy book begin to flip. Uh, Everything in this world is going to be shaken. Uh, Everything in this life is going to be destroyed. Uh, But when it's all said and done, uh, God's word is going to last. We got to love this word. Uh, We got to read this word. Uh, We got to believe this word. Uh, We got to preach this word, proclaim this word, teach this word, love it, Uh, hide it in our heart. Hallelujah. I'm stirred by the first generation church. I hear a lot of quote unquote modern day prophets talking about wanting to have a first century revival, a book of Acts outpouring, saying we want everything that they had in the book of Acts. And when we say that, we say we want gate called beautiful miracles. We, we want thousands upon thousands receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But can I remind you that that first century church, they also suffered. They also endured persecution. Every day living for the Lord wasn't just a day of skipping from one silver line cloud from another. God saved them from their sin. God saved them from their selves. But he did not save them from Rome. They were still occupied. They were still oppressed. Nevertheless, the expectation of God did not change in their life. They still had to live for him. The apostle Peter writes to a first century church that's cowering in darkness, hiding in their homes, praying and believing that the Lord would touch them 
them. They lived continually in harm's way. God, Peter, the apostle Peter, through the hand of God, did not coddle them in their fears. He did not tell them to think their problems away. He boldly stated unto them that in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of grace that it is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fastening yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. I read this and I'm stirred. People persecuted, people oppressed. And on a Wednesday night, Peter said, tonight's Bible study is about holiness. Be ye holy, because it is written, I am holy. What was it? It was words that would not fall. Peter said our circumstance is difficult. This momentary trial that we have, it's arduous. But God's word, it does not change. It is not altered. It does not fall. We've still got to live for him. Jesus was very direct in Matthew chapter 7 when he said in verse 13, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it yet it is not impossible Christ amidst the inky darkness of the night in which Nicodemus came to him Jesus said in John the third chapter verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Words that will not fall. If you say you believe the scripture, if you say you're going to stand on this book, if you say you're going to live this book, there again are people that will call you old-fashioned, narrow-minded, legalistic. There's over a third of the world's population that believes that the earth would be better off if you were dead. There are even some in the apostolic movement that would look at us tonight and they would look at our modesty and they would look at our exuberant worship and they'd look at a red face sweaty preacher and say that is so beneath us we have grown wiser than that but I'm here to hold on to some words that will not fall I'm not worried about the latest trend I'm not worried about what they're doing in the cool church I'm going to live I'm going to love I'm going to proclaim a word that will not fall and if you feel that way you are in good company tonight because it was the apostle Paul that said this I confess unto thee that after the way which they call heresy so worship I the God of my fathers I'm not looking to change it I'm not looking to alter it I'm not looking to water it down I'm not looking for more of the world I'm looking for more of him his word his word his word his word his word his word will not fall So find you a scripture that applies to wherever you're at in this life. Find you a scripture like Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And stand on that word. 
find you a verse like 1 Peter 5 and 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, and stand on that word. Find you a verse of scripture like 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men can't slack, count slackness, uh, but is long-suffering to usward, uh, and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come uh, to repentance. Uh, stand on that word find you a scripture like Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 down to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us stand on that word find you a verse like Philippians 2 and 13 for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure and stand on that in Acts, I close if our musicians would like to come tonight. In the book of Acts, Peter's in prison. Herod had saw that it had pleased the Jews to kill James, the brother of John the Beloved. If that made them happy, they're going to love it when I give them Peter. Shackled in prison, guarded by four quaternions of soldiers, death awaited him in the morning. The angel of the Lord appears in him and begins to lead him out of the prison. Acts 12 and 9 says, And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Oh, Pete thinks he's having a good dream. I'm just going to go with this. I'm just going to enjoy this. In the morning, I, they're going to cut my nasty preacher head off. But right now, I'm dreaming about good things. And so he kept on marching. And that the scripture says in verse 11 of Acts chapter 12, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord had sent an angel and had delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Verse 13 says, And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to heaven named Rhoda. And when she knew, and you know this story, when she knew it was Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter was before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. That sounds like some of my prayer meetings and some of my faith. God set him free hey Peter's at the gate no he's not he's still in prison God you can do anything set him free what was at play here I propose to you that it was something greater than Peter's faith because he didn't have a lot of faith it was something greater than the church's prayers because they didn't have a lot of confidence in their prayers it was something that happened months earlier at the Sea of Tiberias Jesus had been crucified and had not yet ultimately ascended to the heavens Peter decided to go fishing we see yet another miracle of God filling their nets with a fish the resurrected Lord challenges Peter's devotion and his commitment by asking lovest thou me three times Jesus forces Peter to search the most private places of his mind and his heart and then Jesus speaks verily verily I say unto thee when thou wast young Thou girdest thyself, walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. It was a word that would not fall. When faith was not adequate, when prayer was insufficient, there had already been a word spoken, and it was not ever, ever, ever going to fall. As we stand our feet all over this house today, I recognize that I am in a word-loving church. 
I recognize that I stand behind a desk that has been filled for, for the last 54 years by two faithful expositors of Scripture that have boldly endeavored to declare unto us the whole counsel of God. I love your holiness standard here. I love your modesty. I love your godliness. I love your exuberant praise. I love your worship. I love your kindness. I love your hospitality. I, I, I love the, 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 the friendliness that I feel in this room. I, I love the, the humility that I see experienced around this altar. I love everything about this church, but I think I know I know what I love most is seemingly the love that you have for words that will not fall. <clears throat> Trying times are coming. These difficult days are only going to get more difficult. And God is looking for people far and wide that will cling to everlasting, eternal words that will not fall. When we're weak, when we're tired, when we're weary, when we're afraid, His Word will not fall. When we're cold, when we're seemingly drifting from His presence, His Word will not fall. When we are surrounded by chaos and confusion and crisis in our life, His Word, it will not fall. I wonder today if you'd pick up your Bible. And I wonder if there's anybody that'd like just to step out of your seat and come to this altar with your Bible and simply ask the Lord to continue to give you strength, courage, and faith to hold on to His Word. If there's any unfulfilled promises in your life, why don't you come and cling to His Word? If you got a burden for a lost loved one, why don't you come and just hold your Bible close and whisper their name before the Lord? And say, God, your word will not fall. It's not your will that any should perish. They're not too far gone. They're not too far lost. Come on, for a few moments. Can we stand on his word? Can we love his word? Can we cherish this word? Come on, would you believe this word with me tonight? It's words that will not 